let's take a moment of silent prayer or meditation. Thank you. Uh, honorable members, before we proceed, I would like to remind you that the virtual plenary is deemed to be in the precinct of parliament and constitute a meeting of the National Assembly for debating purposes only. Uh, in addition to the rules of virtual sittings, the rules of the National Assembly, including rules of debate, apply. Members enjoy the same powers and privileges that apply in a sitting of the National Assembly. Members should equally note that anything said in the virtual platform is deemed to have been said uh, to the House and may be ruled upon. All members who have logged in shall be considered to be present and are requested to mute their microphones and only unmute when recognized to speak. This is because the mics are very sensitive and will pick up noise which might disturb the attention uh, of others. When recognized to speak, please unmute your microphone and connect your video. Members may make use of the icons on the bar at the bottom or at the top, depending what gadget you are using, of your screens, which has an option that allows a member to put up his or her hand to raise points of order. The secretariat will assist in alerting the chairperson to members requesting to speak. We plead with you, members, when using this system uh, virtually, uh, please refrain and desist from unnecessary points of order and interjections because it is particularly uh, problematic. Uh, we now shall proceed to the order, which is the debate on vote 13 public works and infrastructure appropriation bill. I now recognize the minister of Public Works and Infrastructure. Honorable Antipet, please go ahead. Honorable Delil. Good afternoon, Deputy Speaker and Honorable Members of Parliament. Uh, today, in tabling the new financial year budget, I will also reflect on what is being achieved in the last financial year. Apart from the devastation caused by the COVID-19 pandemic, more tragedy has struck with extreme flooding in our provinces and the destruction of buildings in Parliament with the fire of January 2022. We are processing the final report on the damage caused to Parliament and, uh, and the fires, uh, which we have received on the 20th of May and will in, in due course as soon as possible present to Parliament. Uh, in KwaZulu-Natal and in the Eastern Cape, the Department of Public Works and Infrastructure has been involved in many work streams and interventions to assist with the reconstruction in KwaZulu-Natal, the Eastern Cape and other provinces to mitigate uh, the effects of the flood disaster. We have made a database of over 300 built professionals available to COCTA to assess the damage, the scope, the cost, design, and implement critical reconstruction and building of damaged infrastructure. The department's resources will also focus on the current 53 government-owned buildings in KZN and 12 government-owned buildings in the Eastern Cape, 
which has been devon, uh, uh, damaged by the floods and that we are making usable. Uh, the department has also identified 258 pieces of land, while the Department of Public Works and Human Settlements in KZN has identified another 25 pieces of land. These land parcels are being assessed for suitability for the resettlement of displaced communities by the Housing Development Agency. On the rural bridges to date, uh, 52 bridges are needed in, the, in KZN. And that the construction of the first 18 bridges will begin on the 1st of June, 2022. Uh, in the Eastern Cape, the technical assessment has been done on 20 bridges and the DPWI has uh, reassigned more capacity to assist KZN in the Eastern Cape Department and also, we're also assisting affected municipalities. In terms of the SONA commitments uh, on the rural breaches, uh, 96 rural breaches are planned for the 22-23 financial year. And this, this will be done in uh, six provinces, the Eastern Cape, Mpumalanga, Limpopo, the Northwest Free State, and also KwaZulu-Natal. Earlier this month, the Minister of Defense and Military Veterans and the KZN MEC for Public Works and Human Settlements, we handed over the latest three completed bridges in KZN. On the infrastructure investment plan, recent events have again laid bare the importance of infrastructure, ensuring that we not only build new infrastructure, but maintain existing infrastructure. We must build and maintain infrastructure taking the severe impact of climate change in consideration. The infrastructure investment plan is central to the economic reconstruction and recovery plan aimed at creating jobs and it started uh, to bring the construction industry back to life. Infrastructure South Africa was established with the approval of cabinet in 2020 and they have been hard at work to drive the infrastructure investment plan through unblocking, unlocking funding to ensure monitoring and reporting on the implementation of the priority projects. South Africa's National Development Plan sets up clear economic development targets, which is further supported by the Infrastructure Investment Plan, as well as the National Infrastructure Plan of 2050. In 2020, Honorable Deputy Speaker, we gazetted 62 strategic infrastructure projects, mainly in the transport sector, human settlement sector, energy, digital, and agriculture sectors. I will quickly give an update just on a few of the projects. Uh, the transport sector gazetted projects are well underway, with construction completed on five projects. Five projects is in construction and four projects in procurement. The social housing sector is also making great strides with uh, three projects completed, uh, two projects in construction and two projects in procurement, while the rest are in the planning stages. Briefly on the Small Harbors Strategic Infrastructure Project, the 501 million repair and maintenance to the 13 proclaimed fishing harbors in the Western Cape that include the removal of sunken vessels, repairs to slipways, shore crane replacement security, civil and electrical infrastructure upgrades has been completed. Um, 
And this project also included the upgrades to the Saldana Bay slipway, which increased the slipway capacity from 600 tons to 1,200 tons. And this will enable much bigger vessels to be slipped and maintained in Saldana, whilst also serving, servicing the surrounding West Coast harbors. Uh, briefly, this, uh, the project um, created 925 jobs, of which 500 were young people. The program also empowered 142 SMMEs to the value of 160 million. And three companies uh, were, 73 companies were the level of triple BE. On uh, another strategic infrastructure project in Salvacop, um, as a flagship pro project that I announced last year, it's currently underway for a mixed-use precinct development as part of the Tuane inner city regeneration. And the Salvacop mixed precinct will see the construction of four new government aid offices. And they include the Department of Social Development and its agencies, SASA, the National Development Agency, also the Department of Higher Education and Training, the Department of Home Affairs, and the Department of Correctional Services and Constitutional Development. The installation of the bulk services have started, uh, and in terms of economic empowerment, 11.5 million has been spent so far uh, on SMMEs, uh, and the project in construction phase is expected to create 3,200 jobs. I will be launching the project next week, and I will also meet with the project steering committee, which include the residents from surrounding communities to engage them on the importance of the project for the region and ensure that we continue to work together for the success of the project. Another project that I've announced last year is the PV photovoltaic and water savings on government building program was set to go out to the market in months. Uh, this was achieved on the 20th of September, 2021. We put up a request for information and we received 58 submissions from the RFI process. And now we are going out to the market uh, with this, with requests for proposals uh, by the end of June, 2022. In terms of skills, uh, Deputy Speaker, um, we have a highly skilled and diverse brain trust in infrastructure South Africa who are hard at work uh, to get uh, job opportunities and the implementation of infrastructure together, uh, together with a 50% gender balance in our skill set. And just briefly, some of the skill sets that's included in Infrastructure South Africa, we've got a female professional that holds a Bachelor of Science, actuarial science and mathematical statistics. Uh, she also holds a Bachelor of Science Honours, actuarial science, and she holds a Master of Philosophy in Development Finance from the University of Stellenbosch Business School. Another female uh, is a Master of Urban Planning Studies, uh, and she graduated with an undergraduate of BSc, Urban, Regional, and Planning Qualification, just to mention a few uh, deputy speaker. As part of building a capable state, DPWI awarded 173 bursaries in the past financial year to students 
to study in the build environment fields. We also have a total of 129 internships uh, in the department uh, for young people to strengthen their employment opportunities to access the labor market. Uh, DPWI also through the ERRP plan, uh, we have contributed and creating 1,230 uh, young people to participate in that project. The National Infrastructure Plan for 2050 that I've announced last year in my budget speech, uh, we have completed the first phase in March of 2022. The NIP 2050 is a long-term plan for infrastructure development across the country to ensure that there is the necessary long-term view regarding infrastructure to drive economic and social transformation to achieve the NDP goals and beyond. Now, we have started there with the implementation of the first three years of the NIP 2050 plan, and we've calculated that we will need an additional 1.6 trillion rand in the public sector infrastructure investment by the year 2030. Uh, we believe that this can be achieved by, amongst other, bringing in the private sector, building the uh, private sector confidence in the capacity and capability of the state to deliver bankable public infrastructure projects. So we have now commenced with the drafting of the second phase of the NIP, which will focus on social infrastructure and related municipal services, as well as approaches to strengthening coordination throughout the district development model and this plan will be finalized in this financial year. Briefly on the infrastructure fund, I updated the house last year about this blended fund uh, where government invested 100 billion rand uh, over the next 10 years. And, and just some of the projects that have received funding so far from the infrastructure blended fund is that the phase two of the student housing infrastructure program with an investment value of over 3.4 billion rand. And also another one is the social housing program with an estimated capital value of 1.1 billion. Uh, Deputy Speaker, I will now turn to the main budget vote. Um, I spent some time in updating the house on, on infrastructure because it's vital for the well-being of our communities and also to help grow our economy. In terms of the appropriation bill, the allocation to DPWI for this uh, financial year uh, is 8.5 billion rand. 7.4 billion rand of the budget is allocated to transfer and subsidies, mainly for the entities of the department and also the coordination of EPWP. And of the 7.4 billion, 4.5 billion is allocated to the property management trading entity. And the balance of the budget is allocated to compensation of employees and also goods and services. So the total budget allocation for the PMTE for this new financial year is uh, a 19 billion, which comes from other client departments to do work for them. 
the biggest source for the PMTE budget is received through revenue from accommodation charges for client departments using DPWI buildings. In terms of the last financial year expenditure, the department managed to spend 97% of the adjusted budget and the PMTE managed to spend at least 89%. Briefly, Deputy Speaker, on the 30-day payments, uh, the department has made a huge improvement with regards to the 30-day payments, compliance, as the compliance rate for the financial year ended 31st March, stands at 97%. We are pushing very hard to get to the 100% because this is a compliance issue. And this is up from 95% of the previous financial year. The department will continue to improve with consequence management being implemented for employees not complying with the processing of the 30-day payments. So far, 75 employees uh, cases of contract and contact management for late payments have been instituted since the last financial year. Deputy Speaker, there are also monies owed to the Department of uh, pro I mean, Property Management Trading Entity. The user departments owe DPWI an amount of $8.3 billion as of the end of 31st of March 2022 unaudited, more than 60% of the amount relates to claims for previous years. And for the financial year 21-22 under review, 21.5 billion was invoiced to client departments of which 18.4 billion was recovered. So we're standing at an 85% recovery rate. Late reimbursements affects DBWIs ability to provide quality services and settle invoice to service providers and municipalities. Our debt owned to municipalities as of the 31st of March, the total amount um, owed by the department to municipalities amounts to 502 million, of which 337 million was paid during the month of April, 2022. The remaining 165 million is still being processed for payment by the department. And we are pushing hard to conclude this. DPWI in total has made payment to 257 municipalities to the value of 5 billion rand in the 21-22 financial year. And we continue to engage the municipalities for disputes over property ownership, incorrect billing, incorrect interest charge, invoices not submitted, and payments not allocated by the municipality. Let me briefly turn to uh, land, um, Deputy Speaker. The, the last land order done by the Department of Rural Development and Land Reform found that 79% of South Africa's land was in private ownership. 14% owned by the state, and 7% was unaccounted for. And of the 14% owned, uh, owned by the state, uh, that must still be divided between national, provincial, and local government. So land redress is one of the key drivers towards addressing the spatial injustices and also the so socioeconomic imbalances in our country. 
The progress with land restitution since uh, May 2019, we've released 214 land parcels measuring just over 30,000 hectares for restitution. Uh, our target uh, was 10,000 for last year, but we have exceeded the target. And then uh, progress on redistribution of land and land tenure. Since May 2019, DBWI has released 25,549 hectares of agricultural land. In total, 125 land parcels uh, for redistribution. For the 22-23 financial year, we have identified another 50 land parcels for potential release for redistribution in the agriculture program. On human settlements uh, since 2019 to date, 73 land parcels measuring 4,761 has been released across the country. And the land was re and, and land also released for socioeconomic purposes in, in support of infrastructure development, which was 15 hectares, 11 land parcels were also approved for registration of servitude for roads, for water, electricity, and the gas pipeline servitudes in the past financial year. For the new financial year, we plan to release 7,100 hectares in various provinces for human settlements development. We also plan to release another 180 hectares for socioeconomic purposes, and 154,745 hectares under land reform for land restitution and land tenure. So it uh, amounts to about 162,000 hectares that we plan to release in the next financial year. Then also on supply chain management, um, in terms of the 30% subcontracting requirement, during the past financial year, we have uh, awarded about 13 tenders about above 30 million worth 1.5 billion and subcontracted 30% to designated groups to the value of 431. And this is up from the last, last year's achievement. And for the last financial year, uh, out of the 269 tenders, 229 tenders with 2.7 billion were designated to designated and target groups, and that constituted about 85% of our tenders. Then in the new financial year, there's an allocation in the budget of 985.7 million for various infrastructure projects to be carried out by DPWI. So 42 million will be for various projects as such, such as the Salvacop development, uh, 350 million rand for repairs and maintenance of the 53 land ports of entry, uh, 175 million rand for dolomite risk management, where government buildings are at risk to collapse because of sinkholes and dolomite problems at the Waterclough Air Force Base and the Ulifans Fontaine Trade the Test Center in Ukuleleni. And then 13.6 million rand for the retrofitting of offices and facilities 
including correctional facilities and police stations that have not have catered for people living with disabilities. And then 250 million for the construction and upgrading of facilities uh, used by elected uh, representatives. And this include the project of the demolition and replacement of the prefab asbestos in Acacia Park. Just on the immovable asset register, um, I just want to say that uh, the Auditor General, it's worth noting that it was unqualified for the financial year 2021. And then uh, just on GBVF, uh, Chairperson, we've identified 83 properties in the country to allocate it for shelters for GBWV. The Department of Social Development has have identified another, have identified 47 that they can use. And we will be releasing more properties, but we are also appealing to the municipalities and the provinces also to release properties for gender-based violence. Gender-based violence. Um, we took a decision to stop the rentals on a month-to-month -month basis because the Auditor General advised us that it's irregular expenditure. Uh, the, the department has been overcharged for many years, and um, by renegotiating those overcharged leases, we have been able to save 273 million rand for 330 leases, and we continue the process. To bring innovation to our lease portfolio, Chairperson, we have decided that we need to come with a refurbishment, operate, and transfer projects which aims to bring in the private sector to assist government to improve the conditions of our uh, buildings. And we are packaging the first batch that will go out in the first quarter of the financial year. Then also just in terms of risk and governance, uh, we have announced in my last speech, the establishment of the Infrastructure Build Anti-Corruption Forum that is led and chaired by the SIU uh, that is being established. The structures have been put in place to bring in more awareness on prevention and detection of corruption so that we can put the perpetrators behind bars. And speaker, in closing, from the budget priorities outline, I would like to reiterate my commitment to cleaning up this department and getting it on track to work for government in all South Africa's. We have made great progress and great inroads over the past three years, but I will be the first to admit that a lot more still needs to be done on the work um, and a level of urgency need to come in so that we can deliver to our, our, our citizens. I thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Uh, so thank you, Minister. Uh, I was muted here. <laughs> thank you. And let's invite Honorable Ntobongwana. Thank you, Honorable Deputy Speaker, Honorable Minister, Honorable Deputy Minister, Honorable Members, Fellow South Africans, Moloni Nanke Ngolu Sukulu Ndulela Usukulu Etu Lelizegazi Africa. Deputy Speaker, the budget is the tool with which this government policies are implemented to transform and improve people's lives. 
We are debating this budget vote at a time the country is attempting to recover from low economic growth, which was further compounded by the COVID-19 pandemic. In KZN and parts of Eastern Cape, infrastructure was destroyed by the recent devastating floods. These floods have created hardship for working communities and our working class. Sitting the Sinigo Onge Amakaya at Ashua's Slobozao Nezalamane, the Nayez and Yon Josephula, Nakabo Basakangela is the Slobozao, City Inclum Guyabo, Inclum Guye to Song Sisis of Somzanzi, Africa. DPW was amongst the departments that immediately visited KZN after the floods with His Excellency President Ramaphosa to assess the situation and visit the affected families. It has been working to assist in ensuring that land is made available to resettle affected communities, to assist in the recovery of road infrastructure and the building of bridges. The floods have continued causing hardships over the last weekend, especially in KZN, and as such, our people are suffering. At the same time, the department has to deal with the fire that destroyed parliamentary buildings. However, parliament has remained functional and will continue to do so as our democracy is not dependent on a building, but rather on the people of South Africa and its political representative for its functioning. Public works therefore plays an important role in restoring our pride as the country, the parliament as the seat of our democracy. This makes the work of public works and infrastructure all the more important as it is a strategic department which requires playing a positive role with other departments at national, provincial, and local spheres of government. This is seen clearly as how it is assisting currently COCTA human settlement, provincial departments, and municipalities during the disaster that we have now. The BW has, under the current leadership of Minister and Deputy Minister, introduced a culture of change in the department and its entities. This culture of change has equally been reinforced by a process of heightened oversight by the Portfolio Committee. This is also has been the focus of the Sixth Parliament to eliminate the effects of state capture and corruption in all department and state entities. It is therefore important that the department fill all the critical vacancies with competent and skilled personnel to enhance the program of the department. The department has a clear focus in terms of job creation, infrastructure development, leveraging public procurement to create small and medium enterprises. The department's focus is geared towards economic development, job creation, and transformation through its newly assigned role as a coordinator of infrastructure development within Presidential Coordinating Commission. In this regard, Infrastructure South Africa will lead from within the department. This will be financed through blended finance, making sure that the private sector plays a vital role. The department does this in collaboration with DPSA and National Treasury. The strategic infrastructure projects, or SIPs as they are known, are gazetted and much needed structures are built across the country. One of the projects uh, that is directed to the department uh, one of the SIPs is the small harbor development. And this must be coupled with granting of fishing licenses to small fishers which are based in communities and depend on the ocean economy for their living. We hope that the, the small harbor development project uh, that has it documents in Port St. Johnson, Eastern Cape, will final, 
see the light before the end of this term. Through the Uelisizwe Rural Bridges Program, the department constructs bridges in collaboration with SANTF. This will enhance the life and welfare of the people in rural areas so that children can cross dangerous rivers and get safely to school. People can go to town and other villages, especially in Eastern Cape. But why we are pleased with these aspects? We must raise things that must be improved. The department faces a backlog in the maintenance of government buildings. And this is an area which can enhance skills and employment as the maintenance of government property is linked to enhancing the value of government's property portfolio. We must remind the minister that in one of our portfolio committees, we urge the department to let IDT perform some of these maintenance tasks so that IDT can generate funds. The department is also in the process of introducing a new business process management program, which is geared towards developing a sustainable infrastructure development management system for managing properties and infrastructure delivery. The enterprise resource planning will also assist as it is geared towards automation of process utilizing IT to ensure tracking and efficiency of projects and programs. The department will also review macro business and delivery model to revise the structural model and intended to improve the governance. Critical to this restructuring is the establishment of ethics and compliance infrastructure and consequence management unit, which is expected to enforce implementation of standards and regulations of the department. The department as part of this program is seeking to improve its conduct management and monitoring capacity as this will mitigate the risk associated with conducts and ensures that the government achieves the value of spending. The department has a budget of 8.5 billion to achieve its program, which is a nominal increase of 2.3%, but is a decline in real terms of 2.1%. This means the department should ensure that it is not overcharged for goods and services, and this should be benchmarked against the current market prices. The transfers and subsidies constitute 87% of the budget. Uh, the department must have a detailed accountability process in place to ensure that there is delivery for the various entities which receive transfers and subsidies. The department has a number of entities for development whose performance in the recent past was characterized by many challenges. The department under the current leadership has ensured that there is a focus in resolving many of these challenges. A case in point is the repurposing and the restructuring of IDG. That is why earlier on, I indicated to Minister and Deputy Minister that this entity, which is IDT, must be utilized for some refurbishment and maintenance uh, of projects. For these entities to effectively function, there is a need for competent boards to effect development and transformation mandate of the uh, government. The committee has been urging the department to complete the property register to ensure that it is computerized. This is critically to ensure that government's land is known and can be audited. And it is very critical in the current juncture in which land has to be identified to resettle those that have been displaced during the current funds, current floods. The department needs to finalize the public works bill as an overarching legislation, which will guide the functioning of the department.
and we will also regulate its relationship with provincial departments of public works and infrastructure, as well regulate national department relation with municipalities. In conclusion, Honorable Deputy Speaker, the Portfolio Committee will continue to exercise critical oversight over the performance of the department and its entities in terms of implementing its programs. Achieving program targets and outcomes will form part of its enhanced oversight. It is important that there are deliverable outcomes from the programs which improve the lives of our communities. Change and transformation is a politically necessity. One of the important philosophers, Karl Marx, once said, uh, open quotes, if we have chosen the position in life in which we can most of all work for mankind, no burdens can bow us down because they are sacrifices for the benefit of all. Then we shall experience no petty, limited selfish joy, but our happiness will belong to millions. Our deeds will live on quietly, but perpetually at work and our ashes will be shed the hot tears of noble people, close goods. The ANC supports the budget vote 13 of the Department of Public Works and Infrastructure, Diabulela Nkosi Danko. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Member. Uh, let's invite S.J. Graham, Honorable S.J. Graham of the DA. Deputy Speaker, let me start today by addressing some of the historical issues that have beset this department and its minister recently. Two in particular bear mentioning only because of the magnitude and impact of each. Cue the Bitebridge border fence saga. The DA certainly welcomes the finding of the SIU that the profits paid to the contractor were irregular and must be recovered, although this might change on appeal. We are also watching with interest to see the outcomes of the various disciplinary hearings, which are still not completed, two years after the event. It is astounding that Minister Patricia DeLille has managed to evade any censure despite the entire project arising from a directive signed by her. And we cannot forget about the fire at Parliament in January of this year. The fact that there were warnings of potential fire risks to the parliamentary precinct in the BDO report commissioned by the Minister, and nothing was done to address them, should raise red flags, as should the reported lack of fire equipment, maintenance, and the failure of the sprinklers and fire alarm to activate. Instead, the only measure of accountability has been in the disciplinary action taken by SAPS. Not one person from the DPWI has been held accountable, despite the fact that facilities management of Parliament is the responsibility of public works. But enough about the past. Our job today is to speak to the budget and annual performance plan for the Department of Public Works and Infrastructure and its entities for the next financial year. But Deputy Speaker, how do you begin to talk, take a budget seriously when the only two outcomes listed under administration in the property management trading entity for the next financial year are spend of the allocated budget and percentage financial performance level. One would think that spending your budget would be a given, not exactly something you'd need to write down officially as a reminder for an entity with a budget of 18.3 billion rand for the next financial year. But that is exactly the case with the PMTE. Perhaps it is because they've only managed to spend between 82 and 93% of their budget over the last five years. They need prompting. And yet it is this entity that receives the largest chunk of cash allocated to the Department of Public Works and Infrastructure. It is this entity that is responsible for the property portfolio of the government, the largest in the country, 
It is this entity that is responsible for construction project management and infrastructure build. And unsurprisingly, it is this entity that is responsible for facilities management. Of the money that the PMTE did spend in the last financial year, 59% of its budget was spent on operating and leases and a mere 28% on repairs and maintenance. In other words, this entity spends twice as much money on other people's property than it does on maintaining its own. And even their leasing operation is poorly handled. Following an instruction from the minister, the department ceased paying month-to-month leases. They just stopped. One of their landlords, somewhat irked at the sudden loss of income, locked his buildings, which housed various client departments, including the office responsible for issuing police clearance certificates. The landlord sued the department, who was ordered to pay him 58 million rand. Minister DeLille blamed the Auditor General for her decision. And while the department is fighting with its landlords on the one side, they are paying scant attention to the steadily worsening state of their own properties. Not only are they being vandalized and falling into disrepair, they are devaluing the neighborhood properties of private citizens, as well as impacting on the safety, security, and quality of life of the communities in which the properties are located. Let me provide an example. At Excelsior Court in Durban, the residents in the surrounding area have been fighting for 15 years against the degradation of the building, unlawful occupiers, the washing of taxis with fire hoses, the stripping of the lifts, doors and window frames, rats the size of dogs, and even a slaughterhouse in one of the garages. The latest occupants are drug gangs who are threatening and attacking the neighbours and having running gun battles in the streets. Imagine living with this for 15 years and your government does nothing. The DPWI currently has 2,029 unutilised properties with over half of them illegally occupied. And yet the major focus of Minister DeLille, fired up by President Ramaphosa, is new infrastructure. Meet Infrastructure South Africa. This is the jewel in the crown of the minister and the answer to addressing infrastructure-led economic growth over the next 20 years. In the midst of the high-fiving and backslapping that accompany any mention of ESA and its SIPs, it is important to remember that ESA is not the initiator of these projects. It has been established to perform a central coordinating function of existing infrastructure projects and as a conduit for infrastructure funding in collaboration with the DBSA. It reports to the Presidential Infrastructure Coordinating Commission. And two years after its establishment, ESA remains a complete mystery. An entire three quarters of a page out of 131 pages of the APP of the Department of Public Works and Infrastructure is dedicated to it. A program tasked with the facilitation of 100 billion rand of government investment in infrastructure build a program that appears to take a lot of credit for outcomes in which it had very little input. When will the ANC's preoccupation with new and shiny vanity projects end and instead be refocused on just fixing what is broken? We have to restructure our budgets at all spheres of government to provide real, tangible funding for repairs, refurbishment and maintenance of our existing infrastructure. If planning and budgets are redirected in this way, it will provide ongoing job opportunities in many rural areas we knew infrastructure builds are few and far between. It will assist SMMEs and emerging contractors to retain their CIDB accreditation and allow them to organically grow and develop their companies. Practically every entity that reports to the DPWI has its own contractor development program. What is the point of developing these contractors, creating hope, and then leaving them with little to no chance of getting work because there's so few projects available? Refocusing our energy on rebuilding our failing infrastructure can address this. And the more projects we have, the more opportunity there is for the over 10,800 unemployed graduate professionals to find work in the construction sector. This might be an opportunity too for the Independent Development Trust, which has had new life breathed into it with the establishment of a passionate board of trustees, 
to find a niche untapped market in the maintenance, repair and refurbishment of state-owned properties. We have endless untapped human capital, a pool of graduate professionals in the built environment ready to roll up their sleeves and work, a construction industry exploding with potential, and at least 2,000 buildings to start with. The Department of Public Works and Infrastructure holds the key to unlocking a booming construction industry. They just have to turn it. I thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, let's invite Honorable Siwisa. Thank you, Deputy Speaker. I'll be, I'll be doing the debate for her. It's Honorable Naledi Chirwa. Okay, all right. Go ahead, ma'am. Thank you, Deputy Speaker. The EFF rejects the budget vote 33 on public works and infrastructure. We must register our displeasure that a department led by a former Pan-Africanist has descended into the chaos that, is the, that, that this department has become over the past couple of years. Public Works is the biggest property owner on behalf of the state in this country. Just on agricultural land alone, in 2019, the department reported that there were 3,653 agricultural state land parcels that were available for redistribution. And the extent of these land parcels was approximately 2.9 million hectares. Today, most of this land is still lying fallow. And the department has done absolutely nothing to ensure that the land gets released for productive purposes for those black people who need it. The department is holding land for no apparent reason. Last month, we asked the department about the number of properties it leases from private entities on behalf of other government departments. Across the country, the department still leases over a thousand properties from private individuals, paying millions every month for functions that it should be performing on its very own. Amongst these leased properties are police stations and other strategic key points for the state. If we cannot build our own police stations to secure the country, what purpose does this department serve? The most horrific of this department's failures is its inability to maintain a proper register of its own assets. Across the country, there are thousands of state buildings owned by the department that are thoroughly dilapidated with no hope of ever being fixed because the department has no record of them. In some of these cases, government houses in towns like King Williamstown have been successfully hijacked by officials who now use as these as their private homes. Last year, the minister reported that there were about 1,300 government properties that had been hijacked. She has not done anything to date to reclaim those properties and to ensure that they are redistributed back to those who need them and not to political gorgons. The department and its entity, the Construction Industry Development Board, are the biggest stumbling blocks to construction industry transformation in this country. The minister would recall that in a national stakeholder forum held in December 2019, the industry outlined some of the key problems it had with the department in particular, but with government more generally. These included lack of coherent strategy for contractor development particularly of black emerging contractors. The result of this is that we see almost co all construction projects monopolized by a select few established white construction companies. The industry also highlighted that the, the delays in payment for work done is killing emerging black contractors. To this very day, the minister and her department have done nothing to address these issues. There is no alignment between the Construction Industry Development Board Act and the new National Housing Consumer Protection Bill. The fact that we have these two pieces of legislation not aligned is proof of the incoherence of government when it comes to matters of regulating contractors. The CIDB Act deals with the regulation and grading of contractors. The same issues the Housing Consumer Protection Bill deals with. All of these 
have an impact on the ability of emerging black contractors to function in this industry. Lastly, the department is the custodian of expropriation legislation in this country. Even though the expropriation bill is not passed into law yet, and despite its many weaknesses, there is nothing stopping the department from expropriating land and building today, even if at a price. There are literally thousands of derelict buildings across the country that could be expropriated and refurbished for student accommodation and to be used as houses for the homeless. You are sleeping on the job, Minister Delili. We reject this budget report. Thank you very much, Deputy Speaker. Thank you. Uh, let's give to Honorable uh, uh, Stolle of the IFP. Job. Thank you, Honorable uh, uh, Deputy Speaker. I, I'm, I'm, I'm reading this uh, speech on behalf of Honorable uh, Zondo because he's the main uh, members of, the, of this portfolio committee. Honorable Deputy Speaker, the devastating floods in KwaZulu Natal and part of the Eastern Cape have demonstrated the great need to continuously invest in infrastructure and maintenance. As we understand from media report of the Department of Public Works and Infrastructure, about 50 state-owned buildings in KwaZulu Natal alone have been damaged, ranging from key institutions such as such as magistrates court, police stations, and military bases. Besides these important government institutions, the extensive damage caused to roads and, and bridges require agent interventions and the department as the custodian of the public asset has a daunting task ahead of it. The daunting task of att attending to agent repair work can only be accomplished with the proper cooperation between the government and departments. The public work must be assured that this task will be attended to with efficient, competence, and agent. Above all, transparency is key in ensuring that, that the government is fulfilling its agent task. Turning to the department budget and annual performance plan, the IFP from the outset wished to voice its concern over the slow progress made with initiative legislations empowering the department to, to collect fees related to releasing collective and maintenance costs due to by client department. According to the department annual performance plan, the enabled legislation remains outstanding, namely the public works bill, and it will require the, the review of both the 1997 and 1998 white papers. It need to be stressed that this is not a new issue. The need to review the white paper as a precursor to be draft public works bill has been in the pipeline for many years. The IP wishes to point out that in a portfolio committee meeting in 2017, the department stressed that it wanted to complete the review of the white papers before the national election in 2020. This delay is simply inexcusable. The IFP strongly endorsed, endorsed the portfolio committee recommendation that the department must report on progress with the public works bill by November 22 to ensure that the, the proper management trading entity can enforce compliance. The IFP remains committed to carefully monitoring progress in, the, in this regard. 
as the failure cannot be correlated. The, the IFP further strongly agree with the, with the portfolio committee recommendation that the department must report to the committee by September 2022. On the effect, uh, uh, okay, thank you very much. Uh, let, let's invite Honorable Van Staden. Thank you, Deputy Speaker. The Department of Public Works and Infrastructure vision is a trusted choice for innovative asset management and quality infrastructure delivery for sustained economic growth. The mission of the department is to provide strategic direction and quality services that offer innovative and proactive social economic infrastructure delivery and maintenance of public assets while protecting the environment and the cultural and historic heri historical heritage safety in the working environment and safer communities towards sustainable development. And then the department's key legislative mandates are driven by no less than eight acts, but is supporting the department in reaching its vision and mission in the correct and legal manner. Then the department has certain values that includes professionalism, responsiveness, integrity, dependability, and efficiency. Morgenachter, Jung Speaker, see that last begrotingsdebat. Het daar ontstellende gebeurtenis in hierdie land plaasgevind wat hierdie departement sy kop en skaamte moet laat sak. Ek het verlede jaar daarop gewees dat die mooiste en wonderlikste beplanning op papier gesit kan word, maar so lang as wat jy nie verantwoordelikheid neem en corruptie aan die kaak stel en mense in die tronk stop nie, gaan jou planning nie realiseer nie. Die buitbruggrensraadskandaal is maar een voorbeeld hiervan. Die verkryging van goedere en dienste wat tans voor tribunale dien, wat verkry was en hoe we daarop gewees het dat het onrechtmatig gedoen was, sonder dat die nodige verkrygingsprocedures en selfs nie eerst die minister gevolg was nie. En die blaanverskuiving wat daarmee gepaard gegaan het, is die rede waarom plannen nie realiseer nie. Die verantwoordelijkheid wat nie daarvoor geneem is of geneem wil word nie, is die rede waarom projekte nie van die grond af kan kom nie. Intussen het ons al sedert 2019 verneem van plannen rondom infrastructuur Suid-Afrika en al die internationale kongresse wat die regering hieroor gehou het, om buitenlandse belleleggings te loop om Zuid-Afrika's infrastructuurdrome van stapel te stuur, maar ja, de werkelijkheid is dat hierdie plan en droom reeds versneeuwel het. Beloftes van beleggings is niet kapitaal in die bank nie, maar slechts beloftes door die fondse inbetaal word in Zuid-Afrika'se bankrekening. Intussen gaan Zuid-Afrika gebuk onder infrastructuur wat bezig is om heel in elkaar te tuimel, weens veroudering en die wandbestuur as ook die gebrek aan bevoegdheid om ons landse infrastructuur te bestuur en te administreren. Intussen word ons landse paaie gevaarlijker by die dag, en word mensenlevens dagelijks in gevaar gestel en levensverliese gelei, as gevolg van verouderde infrastructuur en die gebruik om het in stand te hou. Ons nationale gebouwe word glad in stand gehou nie, en wat as een bate vir hierdie regering Zuid-Afrika moes gedien het, en een bestendige inkomste moes verseker het, het daartoe gelei, dat selfs die parlement op 2 januari in pijn gelei was. Die onbevoegdheid wat gelei het, dat die brand by die parlement nie bekamp of beheer kon word nie, is een duidelijke voorbeeld van een departement wat gekrimp het na een doelose klein inzet wat geen beheer oor die staatse basis kan uitvoer nie. In stede daarvan om verantwoordelijkheid te neem en om op te hou om blaanverschuiving te doen en behoorlijk beheer en bestuur te neem, van ons landse infrastructuur sien ons klein projekties in die jaarlijkse prestatieplan vir 2023, dat daar daarom beplan word vir die bouw van 96 brug in al 9 provincies. Dat ons lees in die media van minister de lol wat alle grondpaie recht vir die land van laat plafuit. Dit terwyl broodnodige infrastructuur soos paie, gebouwe, skole, hospitale, klinieke, hoge, politiestasies, havens en andere nie die nodige aandacht kry, want infrastructuur in Afrika, die departement en die regeringse gouwe plan, kom nie van die grond af. Dit ten koste van Zuid-Afrika en sy mense. 
Die VF Plus sal graag wil sien, dat de begroting van 8.5 miljard vir die 2023 financiële jaar verantwoordelijk besteed sal word. Which worries the FF Plus further is the fact that the property management trading entity that is letting the government's property and official quarters and manage the sale of land for, and buildings can only collect a total revenue of 1.35 million for 22-23, a decrease of 835,000 rand from 21-22. The question is why an investigation regarding this matter needs to be investigated and the proper report should be provided on the matter. The writing is already on the wall and the dysfunctional department together with the president's and the minister's dream of infrastructure South Africa will not solve South Africa's infrastructure crisis. We need to stop daydreaming and we need to get to work. The FF Plus rejects the budget. Thank you, Deputy Speaker. Uh, thank you. Uh, let's hear Honorable Tring. SCDP. Honorable House Chairperson, as we consider this budget vote, the ACDP is cognizant of the vote allocation of some 8.55 billion for 2022-23 with which to accomplish the priorities in the budget programs. The ACDP notes and supports the stated intentions to improve 10 areas of business within the department, which includes a change management program, establishing an ethics and compliance infrastructure and consequence management unit, and sustaining a clean audit for DPWI and PMTE. However, Honorable Chair, we all know that many a noble park is paved with good intentions that are never realized. It was the ACDP's lone voice in our committee meeting calling for an external investigation into the 85 million Rand Jersey barrier wall project along, with the, along the South African and Mozambican border close to the Cozy Bay border post. It is our belief that the corruption to be unfolded here will make the Bait Bridge border fence scandal look like a Sunday school picnic. In this regard, the ACDP welcomes the investigation by the SIU into the tender awarded to a joint venture in August 2018. Our portfolio committee oversight visit showed a barrier wall of about 100 meters in length, despite millions of rands having been spent. Additionally, an oversight visit was also made to the Telcom Towers project. And while some progress has been made, there are still ongoing challenges with the project with reports being called for on the contracts to secure the unoccupied buildings and 10 rental contract uh, contracts, lease contracts to accommodate SEPs so that this can lead to savings rather than ongoing losses. The ACDP is keenly aware that the major mandate of the department and PMTE is to oversee the state's immovable assets so as to contribute towards economic and social development and transformation on the build, of the built environment. This mandate will never be accomplished without a complete immovable asset register. How can the state possibly unlock land for social and economic development if the state has no accurate record of what it owns? In conclusion, the ACDP calls for, for an accelerated public-private partnership to unlock the potential of assets worth hundreds of billions of rands. It is shameful that the department as the largest property portfolio holder in the country is unable to leverage the competitive advantage it has. I thank you. Uh, thank you, Honorable Tring. Uh, let's invite the Deputy Minister of Public Works and Infrastructure. Uh, thank you, thank you, Honorable Deputy Speaker. 
our minister, Mr. Delil, ministers and deputy ministers, uh, Honorable Chair of the committee, together with the WIP, Honorable Dobongwana and Honorable Jobo, respectively, uh, Honorable members, uh, fellow South Africans. Let me start by appreciating the honor of participating in the debate on the Department of Public Works and Infrastructure vote with particular focus on public entities of the department, which are the Council for the Built Environment, CBE, Construction Industry Development Board, CIDB, Independent Development Trust, IDT, and Agrima SA, which is ASA. It is particularly humbling, uh, Honorable Deputy Speaker, that I address you on, the, on this particular day, the eve of Africa Day, and also the day on which the first sauna uh, in 1994 um, by a democratically elected first president, Ndade Mandela, was held. And would like to borrow from the words of wisdom that he shared with the nation when remembering Ingrid Jonker as, and I quote, an African Roman who transcended a particular experience and became a South African, an African, and a citizen of the world, close quote. He further stated that in the midst of despair, he, she celebrated hope, confronted with death, she asserted the beauty of life. In the dark days when all seemed hopeless in a country, when many refused to hear her resonant voice, she took her life. Um, to her and others like her, we owe a commitment to the poor, the oppressed, and the wretched, as well as the despised. As a nation, we find our economy in, a, in the shadow of, of dark days, where all seems hopeless, confronted by poverty, high unemployment rate, and astronomical inequality. These entities have a duty and a responsibility to help the nation to transcend the current stormy waters to also live up to what our constitution so profoundly implores on all of us uh, in its preamble, which is to improve the quality of life of all citizens and free the potential of each person. Honorable members, our public entities play an important role in concretizing our tasks of providing policy leadership to the wider construction and property sectors. They make regulations that seek to transform the industry. Focusing now on the CIDB, the CIDB has a new board appointed on the 1st of December, 2021. This board uh, has worked on the CIDB amendment bill, which is in the final stages of development by our department and will be taken through the consultation phase in the early part of the current financial year. This bill provides for a client recognition scheme that will direct and monitor client departments on technical capacity required to deliver infrastructure projects. The CIDB has also partnered with the Jobs Fund, a government initiative under the aegis of the National Treasury. The main responsibility of the CIDB is to implement the construction 
uh, SMME development project, which has since gained traction. The CIDB in 2021 financial year capacitated 135 client departments across all spheres of government. Some of the targets for the best practice, which is called build program, uh, to be incrementally built up over a five-year period are one, a thousand contractors will receive developmental support per year. On public sector contracts, 450 million spent on workplace training per year. An opportunity for 10,000 learning opportunities per annum for FET learners and artisans, as well as a thousand and a half, which is 1,500 learning opportunities for candidates. For the current financial year, the CIDP allocation in the budget is uh, around 80 million. The independent uh, trust, which is IDT, uh, this body is being transformed and reconfigured into a client-centric fit for purpose and financially sustainable entity that can realize its value, its value proposition of delivering infrastructure on time within budget at the right quality so as to take its rightful place in their infrastructure delivery value chain. IDT has gone through a lot of challenges in the past, but we can now safely say it has weathered the fiercest of storms and is headed for calmer waters. In the last financial year, a, a new board has been appointed and is hard at work to strengthen governance and revitalize the entity. It must be noted that the IDT is headed by women as both chair and deputy chair and has assured us of its vision to press ahead and reconfigure the IDT into a fit for purpose and financially sustainable entity. Some of the notable achievements that the IDT notched up during the financial year 21-22 um, were the following. 16 new facilities were completed against a target of 15. A total of 75,023 work opportunities were created through the expanded public works program, the non-state sector, against an annual target of 64,000 work, op work opportunities. This was achieved even though the program uh, implementation started late into the third quarter of the financial year. The department has always supported IDT to keep it as a going concern and 93 million was given to this uh, entity. We will continue to support uh, IDT. The Council for the Built Environment, um, it, it, it does give me pleasure, uh, Honorable uh, Deputy Speaker, that CBE has consistently received clean audit over the past five years and has received um, with a clean audit with no material financial findings for the 2020-21 financial year. C CBE's procurement spend 
for 21-22 is at 89%, almost 90% for the historically disadvantaged uh, individuals as well as youth. The transformation of the built environment continues to be a national priority. And to this end, since February 2020, CBE has set up transformation collaborative committees to guide it through the process of transforming the built environment. These um, collaborative committees are intended to deal with blockages in the transformation agenda within the industry, focusing on areas such as procurement legislation, one size can't fit all. This is the principle that we are now working on. Uh, We can't procure uh, uh, infrastructure the same way we procure other goods and services. We focus on women empowerment and gender equality, on occupation-specific dispensation, on professional skills and capacity building uh, or development program, health and safety, public protection, and the universal access. Uh, We're doing the the capacity building uh, through involving youth as well. The CBE will continue to focus on coordinating and enabling the built environment skills pipeline, implementing candidacy program in the workplace by assisting all the 44 districts on the implementation of the candidacy program. We want CBE to work hard and collaborate with various sectors to professionalize the built environment and address problematic issues such as uh, poor, um, poor workmanship and as well as to work on corruption. Uh, and this financial year, the CBE has been allocated 54 million as compared to 53 million in the last financial year. Last but not least, Honorable uh, Deputy Speaker, uh, we move to Agrima SA. Although the entity is challenged with availability of relevant expertise, especially in testing innovative products, Agrima SA processed and issued 16 certificate for innovative built environment products and systems in the year 21-22. These included alternative building technologies. We intend to continue holding the end of this entity, which is busy with a business plan for the establishment of a sustainability rating tool for the public buildings and is currently administering a a government ready to be launched eco-labeling scheme on behalf of the department. Agrima SA has been allocated uh, 34 million in this current financial year. In conclusion, honorable members, we need to be reminded that all these entities existed in one form or another pre-94. The golden thread in their current mandate is the duty to transform the sector into a more effective, reflective, and responsive industry to our ambitions as a nation, both in form and in content. Um, I would like to quote um, the following open quote. This world was not created piecemeal. Africa was born no later and no earlier than any other geographical area on this globe. Africans, no more and no less than other men or people, possess all human attributes, talents, 
and deficiencies, virtues and faults. Thousands of years ago, civilization flourished in Africa, which suffer not at all by comparison with those of other continents. In those centuries, Africans were politically free and economically independent. Their social patterns were their own and their cultures truly indigenous. These are the words of the first president of the African uh, Union, OAU, Haile uh, Selassie. And in those few words, I would like to remind ourselves that we need to work together to change the systems uh, that we lived with in the past, but to ensure that we move away from thinking that some of our people are less capable than others so that our economy can benefit from the talents and skills of all our people, as President Kholikhlatla Mandela once said. I thank you, Honorable Deputy Speaker. Thank you very much, uh, uh, Deputy Minister. Uh, let's invite Honorable Sheikh Imam. Thank you, Deputy Speaker. I must agree with you, Deputy Minister, that we need to work together. But in order to do that, Deputy Minister, we need to embrace each other. We need to accept that right now we are going the wrong direction. And in, after we accept that what we are doing is not successful, we need to learn from that and work with others. And that's not what we are finding. Now, let's take this particular department. In order for this department to succeed, it needs the necessary capacity to be able to ensure that it protects the interest and the infrastructure that we have. But this department itself is beyond rehabilitation. Now, if this department is beyond rehabilitation, how is it going to rehabilitate all the infrastructure that we have in any case? You've got the South African police services that have lodged complaints, the justice department, have lived, the health department have uh, lodged complaints. This particular department has not improved over the last couple of years. And that's the problem we are actually sitting with. Let's look at the factory, the plant that was leased uh, to Oceana. Now, the community has raised extensive complaints and concerns about the safety of the building. And despite there being some protection, the public works assured the previous tenant that it will secure the site. But it has absolutely nothing about it. Look at what the, the, the Justice and Correctional Services Department have just told us, that they are considering maintaining their own building. Let's look at the Telcom Towers building, hundreds of millions of rands. Later, the building was not even put to use. Let's look at the communication center in Port Elizabeth. Did you know a contract that started with a couple hundred million was now ending up to be over a billion rand as a result of this particular department not securing the sites for those cell phone masks and things that are for the communication purposes? So this is actually the state of this department. We've raised concern time and time again about this department doing something about its assets registered, not only locally, but internationally. Deputy Speaker, very little or nothing has been done by this department in, 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 in being able to identify and establish the land that we have, the buildings that we've owned. And we've raised concern previously that just before the 1994 election, buildings were disposed of, documentation were destroyed. Very little or nothing seems to be done about it. 
Now I hear the minister talking about taking interns. Deputy Speaker, this is one of the problems that we've got. This department does not have the necessary skills. And before you take intent, given the fact that we have a very poor quality of education system in the country, you need a transfer of skills from the experience and skills people to these interns before you want to use their expertise and skills. If you look at the KwaZulu-Natal, look at the infrastructure and the collapse of the bridges and things, and you want to use the very same skills, Deputy Speaker, clearly this is not going to work. I think what should happen is this maintenance should be the responsibility of each respective department. We don't need the Department of Public Works. It should be shut down. Look at Parliament, the most strategic and most important building in this country. They could not look after. They could not even address and implement the findings and the recommendation. And look at where we are today. Thank you very much, Deputy Speaker. I see you asking me to leave. <laughs> no, no. You agreed to the three minutes, uh, Honorable Member. Uh, let's invite Honorable Jobo. You have 12 minutes. Uh, Honorable Deputy Speaker, Minister and Deputy Minister of Public Works, Kivit, Members of Parliament, our Chief Whip Majudina, good afternoon. The budget vote of public works and infrastructure is occurring at an important time as the economy has shown low growth was compounded by the effects of COVID-19 pandemic. And then the country was faced with the devastating floods in KZN. Our budget votes in parliament including that of public works and infrastructure, must be geared towards reversing the triple challenges of poverty, inequality, and unemployment. This budget vote must be a tool for the implementation of policy objectives of government. Of this budget vote represent the alignment of government transformation objectives within the annual performance plan of the department. While the department and its entities have been characterized by challenges in the past, this budget vote ref reflects alignment of the budget within the, the transformation objectives of the African National Congress government. Much more needs to be done in this financial year to ensure that these entities are performing to their potential. A progress the department has been entrusted with the expanded public works program to ensure that those who are not normally able to find employment in working class and poor communities are employed and develop skills. This program ensures that poor families have an income which enables them to try to make ends meet rather than face poverty. This program is a critical social instrument of government to reduce unemployment. Since the start of the program, it has evolved from merely ensuring job opportunities in the labor intensive sector to developing skills. This program has been allocated a budget of 3.7 billion, which represents 
35.9% of the overall of the overall department budget. The funding of this program has increased from the previous financial year by 5.3%. This indicates that the ANC government is, is serious about reversing the effects of unemployment on our communities. The program has made a significant progress and it is pleasing to note that it currently has employed nearly a million people per annum over the past five years. This is a certainly an achievement to, to be applauded. But at the same time, it is important that the department sustain and enhance the program in this current financial year through the coordination and technical support to the public bodies which are implementing the program. Given the current high level of unemployment, there is a need for greater coordination between the provinces and municipalities to optimize the EPWP program to get greater value from the budget allocated to enable the the employment and skills development to expand and reach its maximum potential. In terms of this program, the committee has recommended in its budget vote report that the department report on progress in terms of EPWP on a quarterly basis and implement ITC software to improve on its data collection, as well as to ensure compliance across the three levels of government. The department also has a skill development program. This this program is aimed at developing artisanal skills to ensure that small business can be developed as part of developing the township economy. These are skills that are required, such as training of electricians and plumbers, and funding was sought for the training of some 400 artisans. This program program will certainly complement the role of of out-of-infrastructure, which will require such as qualified artisans. Skills development and training is also focused on the agricultural sector, which is complementary to the land reform program to ensure food security for the country. It is in the microeconomic that job will be created and budget should be utilized in an instrument to ensure that transformation occurs through the <clears throat> through providing the disadvantages communities with the economic opportunities. The development of small harbors by the department coupled with the granting by forestry, fisheries, and environment of fishing permits to small fishers is very positive as it creates economic opportunities and reduces unemployment in communities who depend on fishing for their livelihood. 
The development of small harbors in the Western Cape has also had economic benefits for underprivileged communities. The extension of the small harbors development program enables across to, to communities of the ocean economy in different coastal areas. Infrastructure development must be utilized by the department to create inclusive economic development and job opportunities to people from working class and poor areas. And this must be include the Wellesley program, which seeks to build bridges in rural areas. The committee is currently processing the extra profession bill, which is a crucial piece of legislation. It is attempting to replace the old expropriation bill of 1975, but also has important objectives of ensuring the land can be expropriated in the public interest to ensure a de- ensure development. The bill also provides for expropriation of land in the public interest to redress the historical injustice of the past. And while it is not a land reform bill, it will certainly assist government to optimize land usage and ensure land redistribution. This bill must operate at a higher level than the old expropriation act and must serve the South Africa and its development priorities currently. This bill will positively contribute to the transformation and development of the country. I thank you, uh, Deputy Speaker. The ANC support the budget rotating of public works and infrastructure. Uh, thank you, Honorable Member. Uh, let's invite Honorable M.B. Hicklin uh, of the DA. Thank you, Deputy Speaker. Deputy Speaker, Minister Patricia DeLille's undertaking for a renewed commitment by the Council for the Built Environment in the 2022-23 Annual Performance Plan to transform the built environment sector through policy reform and collaboration to professionalize occupations, (coughs) produce skilled and fit-for-purpose built environment professions, driving performances to create economic opportunities for historically disadvantaged people and to expedite the empowerment of women, youth, and people with disabilities. Sounds very impressive and incredibly like the Democratic Alliance's stated policy of creating a capable state that will rescue South Africa from the brink of an abyss. But then you realize that this hasn't been achieved because the CBE has failed dismally in all of the above. It is an indictment and a sad reflection of the ANC's poverty policies and a a reflection of the leadership deficit in both the DPWI and the CBE. No one is willing to address the governance challenges that are at the core of this entity's failure to deliver on what is needed for it to achieve its legislative mandate. The report served here reflects a dramatic underspending across a host of programs that is aimed to carry out the very mandates stated above. The current profile of the six built environment professions under the CBE 
reveals 66% of registered professionals are white, 24% are African, 6% are Indian, and 4% are colored. The same can be said for registered candidates by race or gender. An indictment on the ANC poverty policies that fly in the face of government's commitment to the upliftment of citizens of this country. The number of research reports on issues impacting the transformation of BEPs had an approved budget of 369 million rand, yet only a dismal 2.98% was spent. The number of advisory briefs developed and submitted to relevant stakeholders had an approved budget of 246 million rand, and an abysmal 1,21% was spent, despite the fact that the Gender Transformation Advice Desk team begged the CBE for budget. They were told there was no money. There was money, only not for them. Despite a criti critical leadership deficit at the CBE that saw a flood of resignations, including that of its own CEO and COO, almost 55% of the CBE's approved budget of 57,298 million rand was spent on the compensation of employees, and it is asking for additional budget in the coming financial year. Program two deals with the empowerment and economic development. Here, the approved budget of 2,016 million rand was underspent by 97,56%, a monumental failure on the empowerment and support of women-owned professional practices, people with disabilities and youth, and on the number of the collaborations on the transformation of the built environment. This is a disgrace, a slap in the face for all South Africans looking for the dignified life only the Democratic Alliance can offer. Program three talks to the professional skills and capacity development, the district development model. The DDM is an abject failure, primarily because of flawed monitoring and evaluation. And despite this, the CBE still managed to spend 43.09% of its budget. Program four's approved budget of 615 million rand for knowledge and, and research management saw only 14,000 rand, 2.2% being spent. A woeful performance, typical of the attention the CBE has shown to transforming the built environment. Program 5's public protection policy and legislation had an approved budget of 1,172 million rand. 55% was spent, but between 2018 and 2021, there were no financial allocations for compliance reports on the built environment legislation and policies. This is extremely worrying because it's meant that not one single report on compliance was forthcoming from the CBE. But let's turn to Agrimar SA. Here, the greatest challenge has been a lack of a transversal link to inform municipal, provincial, or even national departments of human settlements, for example, about innovative building products or techniques. While strides have been made and the Democratic Alliance is very welcome, welcoming of these, more has to be done 
if the core mandate of this entity, that of the certification of innovation of building materials and the construction industry is to be met. These green products have to be aggressively marketed as Agrimont certified energy saving and innovation construction products must be incorporated into tender specifications and requirements for all future construction plans. We must reduce our carbon footprint and promote these innovative initiatives in the future, in the years to come. I thank you, sir. Speaker, you are muted. Oh, I'm saying she must be unmuted when I am myself. Uh, please go ahead. <laughs> Can't you read lips from where you are, Honorable Franz Calvet? <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you, Honorable Deputy Speaker. Uh, I, that's why I unmuted myself. I could read your lips, but Honorable Deputy. Deputy Speaker, Honorable Ministers and Deputy Ministers, Honorable Members, Departmental Officials, Fellow South Africans, good afternoon. The ANC supports Budget Vote 13 of the Department of Public Works and Infrastructure. The budget vote is occurring at a time when the country faces a number of economic challenges in terms of poverty, unemployment, which contributes to greater inequality in the country. The ANC government has responded to this challenge through the development and implementation of the Economic Reconstruction and Recovery Plan. This plan addresses inclusive economic development through infrastructure development that will create jobs, which includes labor-intensive jobs. Land reform and ensuring that food security is a critical part of the Economic Recovery Plan. The effects of COVID-19 on the economic challenges of the country recently got worse and added to the already heavy burden suffered by especially our indigent and vulnerable households. This is especially challenging in KZN and Eastern Cape through recent devastating floods and again over the weekend further heavy rains in KZN has caused further disruption to the infrastructure that our people need so much. Deputy Speaker, the Department of Public Works and Infrastructure plays a critical coordinating role in government's intervention to restore infrastructure in the flood-affected areas. It does this through the provision of built environment professionals through the state-owned entities that report to the department, as well as support provided through the region on behalf of national and provincial departments. Support is being offered to district and local municipalities to scope, course design, and implement, implement critical reconstruction and building work associated with bridges, roads, stormwater, and other critical infrastructure. Land is also being identified for resettlement and communities which have lost their homes, and this must occur on the basis that these communities do not face a similar risk in the future. Therefore, the role of DPWI becomes more critical and decisive during this financial year. This makes the adoption of this budget vote all the more important. So, Honorable Deputy Speaker, when opposition parties say no to this budget vote, they are in fact saying no to such programs of the department as well. The people of this country and those in affected provinces will judge them for such tragic refusals. 
because they prove that they do not care about the needs of the people. We urge the department and its entities to fill all vacancies and ensure functional boards and senior management with the necessary capability and skills to deal with the infrastructure challenges and projects as well as assisting the provinces in need. Currently, the department is involved with ensuring that government buildings which have been affected are restored and fit for purpose by client departments. The restoration of the road infrastructure becomes critical amongst the restoration of infrastructure in general. We applaud the collaborative work done with the SNDF through the Wellesiswe Rural Bridge Building Program that at least get our pupils and teachers safely to schools. Infrastructure projects for the department must also commence with the optimization and maintenance of government property, as this will ensure the job creation revenue generation. The entities under the department dealing with the built environment must have functional organizational structures to deal with development in the built environment going forward. The department has created Infrastructure SA, which has to deliver a number of strategic infrastructure projects during this financial year. The department and ESA signed a service level agreement with the Development Bank SA and National Treasury in the pipeline of strategic infrastructure projects, which are intended to ensure job creation and massification of job creation as a critical part of the department's focus in terms of its infrastructure development program SIPs. The Willisiswe program referred to earlier is one of these critical SIPs. Building bridges in rural areas is critical to ensuring the improvement of the lives of the rural communities as it gives access to other areas and ensures that these communities can efficiently participate in economic activities. The greening of government buildings is critical to reduce electricity demand and ensure environmental compliance. This will also reduce operational costs for client functioning and ensuring continuity of supply, which enables continuity of the work of government departments. Procurement of goods and services in this regard should promote the creation of small and medium enterprises as part of the process of ensuring inclusive economic growth. South Africa is a water-scarce country, and it is important that government leads in saving water. <laughs> Uh, order, order, honorable members, please switch off. Can you switch off, please, honorable members? Go ahead, honorable Pascal. Africa is a water scarce country, and it is important that government leads in saving water in government buildings. It is important, therefore, that the department develops a comprehensive plan for urban management, given the need for human settlements in urban areas and other development. The property and construction industry requires serious policy research to develop a comprehensive plan for urban management. This program is part of this budget vote and has been allocated proportionally 56.4% of the overall departmental budget. The work of this program is critical to infrastructure development, but more importantly, the development of the legislative framework, which are part of the targets of the program, which must be achieved. It is therefore imperative that the Public Works Bill in infrastructure legislation be completed in this financial year to enable implementation of programs and projects within a proper legal and governance framework. Shareholder compacts and corporate plans needs to be developed as a matter of practice of accountability by all state-owned entities 
reporting to the public works. This enables the department to track work of these entities within the financial year and benchmark performance against the corporate plan. Given the emphasis of the economic reconstruction recovery plan on the construction industry, it is important that the CIDB and CBE function optimally to ensure that the industry is able to play a positive role in infrastructure development. Infrastructure development through the construction industry represents an opportunity for the IDT to reposition itself on the financial self-sustaining basis as an important agency for development. The IDT has developed a turnaround strategy, strategy which requires to be implemented for its financial sustainability. We are positive about this plan and urge the department to assist the IDT with getting revenue generating projects like refurbishment of government infrastructure and buildings. Agrima SA need to ensure that it is able to develop appropriate and implementable plans to reach its goal and delivering on its mandate. In order for this entity to succeed, it must mark its work in the industry and there is a space for it to, to develop. Honorable Deputy Speaker, as the world enters the fourth industrial revolution, public works and its entities needs to embrace this and ensure that it is able to enter this realm. IT must be seen as a tool for delivery of its programs and projects while in ensuring tracking and accountability through, through technology. Lastly, Honorable Deputy Speaker, the department has made much progress and has many challenges still to resolve. However, the implementation of the improvement in 10 areas of the department, which are integral to developing its core competencies, will assist the department to overcome its challenges. All targets for programs and projects must be met. The committee is looking forward to reports from the department and its entities, which shows progress. We are quite positive that the whole women team in the leadership of the department and the portfolio committee is capable and will produce the deliverable results. Honorable uh, Deputy Speaker, we value the, the inputs that has been made by various uh, members, but we need to understand that, uh, like the Honorable Kramer-Ray indeed said that what she is raising is historical issues, and it's exactly that, because it's at various times uh, we've received quarterly updates on these uh, legacy issues. Uh. We need to those plans in terms of moving forward. Then, uh, Honorable Deputy Speaker, we know EFF is always rejecting uh, the budget and it's nothing new, but they should stop pretend to care for the poor, yet they are not supporting the budgets that seems uh, seeks to address the imbalances of the past. Then, Achbare, Lede, Van Staden, and Anner Lede, onze kentje bekommernisse, maar vele soos broodnodig en standhoudingsplan is al reeds voorgelee aan ons portfolio komitee en aanvaar. En dit help dus nie om die begroting uh, teen te staan nie. Ons besef dat saam kan ons baie meer verrig om die foute van die verlede recht te stel en tot voordeel van onze mense. So ons vraag dus, Honorable Heeklin, as you oppose us anything, 
we can assure you that there's no opposition policies that are being implemented in this ANC-led government. So nothing that you propose as the DA, I plans of the ANC in terms of our implementation plan. But we know the advancement of transformation agenda in the built environment is crucial and is a priority for all of us, but we can, it cannot be rushed as a tick box exercise. So therefore, I urge you, let us adopt this budget and move forward and take South Africa forward. I thank you. Thank you, Honorable Member. Um, Honorable the Minister. Thank you, Honorable Deputy Speaker. I would like to thank all those members that supported the budget. And I also want to thank the Deputy Minister for her dedication and hard work. Just a brief report on the uh, other small harvests across the country, Deputy Speaker. Uh, we have developed a plan together with National Treasury a spatial economic development framework for Port St. John's in the Eastern Cape and also for Port Nollet in the Northern Cape and then the KZN South Coast Corridor. So there are plans and we are busy implementing it. We intend to repair the existing slipway in Port St. John's to allow for easy access, uh, thus enabling the ocean economy be in the region to grow at the development of a tidal pool uh, together with DEF and a waterfront with the Department of Tourism. So there are plans for the other small um, harbors. Uh, the Public Works Bill will be progress or the Public Works Bill will be presented uh, to the Portfolio Committee on public works and infrastructure tomorrow, Chairperson. We are making progress there. Uh, then I never, I've never blamed the Auditor General for the instruction um, that we must follow to stop irregular expenditure. In fact, we have uh, taken our instruction and we've been able to save the department 273 million out of 330 leases. The expropriation bill, Honourable Deputy Speaker, as you know, it is before Parliament since November 2020, and the Portfolio Committee is busy processing them. Uh, there was a reference made to the Rural Roads Programme. The Rural Roads Programme is implemented by the Department of Transport and not by us. Honourable Members raised the issue of Corsi Bay. We have handed file over to the SIU, and the SIU is in the early stages of investigating. The same with Telcom Towers, uh, the DTG for Governance and Risk, is adding uh, that investigation to an existing proclamation for investigation by the SIU. On the immovable asset register, we re received an unqualified audit last year from the AG, and a tender will soon go out to digitize the immovable asset register that will also include uh, the maintenance of the uh, immovable asset uh, register. Well, um, the one member was certainly not aware about the progress that we are making because I've never seen uh, the honorable member as being part of the portfolio committee. 
So it's good to have your own opinion, but you are not entitled to your own facts about the department. And, and then just lastly, a chairperson, that, um, you know, um, some, of, some of the things are just being repeating over and over like a stuck record. Uh, the same speeches raising the same issues that we have repeatedly responded to. Um, in the portfolio committees where the, port, uh, the department regularly accounts on all the issues that they have raised today in detail, and repeating the same speeches doesn't mean that we haven't answered them before. Uh, we want to be held accountable by the portfolio committee and under the leadership of the chairperson, capable leadership of the chairperson, we have developed a very good working relationship. We get regular advice from the portfolio committee. They direct us in certain directions that we have to go. And we will continue to build on that relationship with the portfolio committees of parliament to be held accountable by them. So I want once again want to thank everybody for the input chairperson. And I look forward uh, to, uh, like many people have said, that we need to speed up implementation. And we can speed up implementation at the same time by building a capable ethical state. And that is the change management that's being driven in the department by the deputy minister. So we're really trying our best, uh, but we will be the first to admit uh, that we've still got a long way to go, deputy speaker. I thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much, honorable members. Uh, this brings us to a close of today's debate. Thank you very much. Thank you, Deputy Speaker. Thank you.